0: Welcome to the Off the Beaten Career Path podcast. I'm your host, Katie Myers. Here, you will find the inspiration, strategies, and tactics needed to reach the next level and beyond in your small business and career. Thanks for joining us and get ready to put these ideas to work for you. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Katie Myers, and this is Off the Beaten Career Path. I am here with a guest I am so excited to be talking to today. Her name is Sarah Campo-Sarconi. She is a Toronto-based content creator, stylist, and designer. She's passionate about sustainable fashion and how she can incorporate it into her maximalist style. She's recently been featured in Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, and the New York Times. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I am over the moon excited to have you here. So if you're not familiar with Sarah's work, she is a TikTok creator. creator. I think I've been following you for probably about a year and you have completely blown up. You you have 1.6 million followers on TikTok. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes, they do. Well,
0: can you tell me how the TikTok got started and, and what launched you into being a TikTok star?
1: Yeah, I created my TikTok during the pandemic, actually, was kind of when I first started it. And when I first started posting like my daily outfit videos. So I think that was like 2020, 2021. And I just posted a few outfit videos. And I remember the first video of mine that kind of went, I guess, viral, got a lot of attention, a lot of views, I was wearing like a full like dog printed outfit. I just happened to have a dog printed blouse and then a jacket and then a matching bag. And I remember people went crazy over it, which is funny because I still have all those pieces. And I love that outfit so much. Like it's something I'd still wear today. So it still feels very true to me. But I guess just that's kind of the first video that really started gaining me followers and Now I've just been doing it for a few years and I've really built a great community of people who enjoy watching my content. I think at the beginning of it, it was a little bit of like, I need to watch this video because it's such a shocking outfit. Whereas now I think I have a bigger community behind me that understands me a little bit or even just comes to watch my videos because it's something that makes them feel inspired or gives them confidence or just uplifts them, which is something that I never planned for my outfit videos to ever do but has been such a an extra joy in in making them so
0: yeah. That's, and that's interesting that you say that. Cause when I first started following you too, it was like a curiosity thing. I'm like, what is she doing? Like, is this how she's dressing? And, and at first I was like, just shocked by it. But then as I started watching your content, you have just such a sweet personality. Your ideas are amazing. And just the stuff you come up with is so interesting. So I think that because I'm definitely, I love your style. It is not, I'm very like Costco middle class white woman <laughs> poor. But like but I absolutely love everything. And I think that's kind of what's turned people on to it. When did it go from just being a hobby and for fun to being a business and a career path?
1: Yeah. So obviously when I first started just posting on TikTok, it was mainly just like my everyday outfits. But it eventually honestly quicker than I even thought possible after like you know, building a following and just like I said, like a community kind of of people who who listen to my opinion on things and trust me and are like, okay, this person has some cool ideas kind of thing. I would get approached from different brands or designers, a lot of small designers. I, I still love working with small designers because I mean, I love being able to use my platform to help smaller designers that make like the coolest things that just not enough people kind of know about yet. But I would start getting just like, I guess, in a way, job opportunities that way from different brands. And it's funny because it's branched out into so many bigger things than just like fashion brands reaching out. Like I've worked with DoorDash before, different food companies, different technology companies. But a lot of them, I think, again, would reach out to me because they're like, you have such a unique or I guess like special audience of people from truly so many different ages. I'll get people watching my videos with their young children, but it's also just as much of a helpful confidence thing for the parent watching it as well. It's, it's, it's really cool to see. And I think a lot of brands see that as well. And they're like, okay, we can reach such a vast audience, especially via TikTok. I think it's like such a a very powerful marketing tool because so many people come across your videos on a daily basis from like everywhere in the world. So it kind of just started turning into something where I am able to work with brands that I admire. It's, I've only ever worked with brands that I really love working with and give me enough creative freedom in the whole process of it. And at the same time, I get to make super fun content for people to watch as well. Like it's, it was, it's always like a win-win. I never feel like I'm doing work or like it's a job. So I love it.
0: That's awesome. One of the things I'm really curious about is how did you learn the business of content creation? Because I'm, I'm a huge TikTok person. I'm always on there and seeing how people have built their own personal brands and working with these companies. Mm -hmm. How did you figure that all out?
1: Yeah, actually it's, it's funny. Before kind of diving into my own TikTok career, I did. I worked as a marketing manager for a brand called Cakeworthy, who are based here in Toronto. We did. We did a lot of like. Disney product, a lot of different cute little clothing products that were sold at like Disneyland or Disney World kind of things like that. Um, And I did marketing for them. So part of my job was essentially like what brands do by reaching out to me as an influencer. Now, it's kind of like what I did. And I would also kind of do like their social media content. So even through that previous job, that's the job that I left right before I started doing my own TikTok career full time. I was able to kind of learn even from working their TikTok, like different ways to help kind of like, even even just figuring out the algorithm on TikTok or how I can use like trending sounds to hopefully make the video pick up a little more traction and things like that. But I also just learned a lot about how to work tiktok in like a career sense or as a small business how to use tiktok to help grow your business because i really think it is such a special tool and again mainly because it tiktok is a platform that so many people are on and i I think even more than instagram your videos have a better chance of reaching a larger audience quicker And again, just different ways by using like trending sounds or making like some funny kind of content that has to do with your business, but something that will grab people's attention or, you know, things like that. I really think, you know, TikTok kind of came from like, oh, YouTube, people don't want to watch like 15, 20 minute videos on YouTube. We only want to watch 30 seconds of it all condensed into one little clip because our attention spans are like so small now. I think that that it really is like if I can get all this info in 30 seconds on like TikTok, like I'm going to follow that page. It, It really is like a good tool that I think a lot of brands should should be using and a lot of designers that are kind of like a little behind with using social media as like a marketing tool. I think it's something that like they should hop on to. Um, as well, I've I've been to enough different business panels that have to do with TikTok. I've spoken on them before as well, where I just think that um, I really do believe in using social media as a marketing tool for businesses and things. I think it's a, a very valuable thing to to use. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's been really interesting to me to see how this shift has happened and really feels like TikTok really, I mean, my kids, uh, my kids are teenagers. They were Mm -hmm. on Musical.ly before it was TikTok. And it was just Mm -hmm. like always this, I remember we would like watch their little videos they made when we were having a glass of wine and giggle about it because (laughs) they were cute because they were like preteens then. But I think, after 2020, it's just blown up and seen like large companies put their money towards small creators and up and coming creators, I think is really interesting and changing. But like, I don't watch TV anymore. I don't think most people do. You consume it in a different way. So so going back a little bit, I know that you started out, you wanted to go to college to be a forensic scientist. So awesome left turn. I love that. I wanted to be like, Dr. Temperance Brennan from Bones when I grew up. I also wanted to do that. That is not where I ended up either. But tell me how how you, you made that left turn to going towards the fashion route and and how it led you to here.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for me coming right out of high school at the fresh age of barely 18, I think you are when you're supposed to figure out what you want to do with your life. I was like, all right, well, science and math, that's my thing. And not even like I didn't care about fashion even at that time. In high school is when I really think I was experimenting quite a bit with my fashion. I went to a school where we had to wear uniforms. And I was always, always, always in trouble for being out of uniform because I would just like refused to wear like white socks. And I had to wear like pink flower socks instead. So I still think that that part of me was always there. But I guess, you know, again, in my head at that age, I'm like, this is what I set my whole life up for. I'm going to go to school to be a forensic scientist. And I did a year of my program in downtown Toronto. And I finished my year, but I never went back after that. I had to experience it for me to realize it wasn't for me. Like I went, I went to school and I did the whole thing and I was like, okay, never. No, this isn't for me. So after kind of going back to school, but more now into like the creative field. I went to a college for a few years to do a visual merchandising program, which is a program that I still think like I use things that I learned in that program today. Like we learned everything from like color theory, to graphic design, like things that I still apply with With just being a content creator now, like I still use my graphic design knowledge and all of that. So I I loved that program. And I did go into being a visual merchandising manager for Topshop for a few years. And I loved doing that. But it was kind of at the same time when COVID hit and I switched over to doing um, marketing for that uh, cake worthy company for up until I started my TikTok career. So Yeah, I think I had knowledge from from that, those last few years of school, I think that helped me with being able to do content full time and learning how to take like my own photos and things like that. Like I really did learn kind of like little techniques like that in my school program. So
0: yeah, so what made you get the confidence to just jump ship from your regular nine to five and bet on yourself and, and go full, full speed into the content creation?
1: I think that, so it's always scary. Like I was like truly terrified to do that. I'm like, okay, am I going to like quit my job and, and just hope that this works out? I, I think you do get to that point though, where you do feel secure enough in yourself. I felt like secure in like the jobs that I was, it, it even got to a point where I was juggling so much between my full-time job and my content creation. And it was almost like, like I know where, where I want to be and the direction I want to go in. And, it, you know, it didn't mean I didn't like the job I was working at before. I loved it, but I think, and I think it helped me in, in ways as well to kind of get to where I am today but I think you do get to that point where you're like I can't do both anymore and I need to move like forward and I think that that was it for me and I I mean of course I I think that was like the best decision I've ever made and I'm so happy I did and it, it did work out so well for me and it has opened so many more opportunities and like career paths for me so so I think you gotta you have to look at it that way
0: and yeah, has it opened doors to you? You were just at Paris Fashion Week. Can you tell me all about that? And what a, I, I imagine that ha- I don't I'm not even into fashion, but that, that would be like a dream come true. I know it's such an iconic event.
1: Uh, yeah, no fashion week, like across the world like in Europe is a whole different ball game. I feel like it's It's so surreal. And I always say that about so many different parts of my life where I'm just like, I can't like being in Paris at a fashion show, even being invited to a fashion show. Like I'm just like, I can't believe that I'm here. And I'm like, I'm doing things that I just never thought possible. It's hard to make it feel like it's a reality, even though I I know it is now. But no, it's inspiring. It's It's amazing to see just like everyone, again, it's a great opportunity. I love meeting people that I am following online that I look up to or people like designers that I am inspired by and being able to meet them in real life or be able to attend their show or just be like, wow, like your work is so amazing. And it's something that has changed my life. I, I, to have the opportunity to even say that to someone like that in person, it's, it's so cool. I'm always so honored.
0: (laughs) So did you go to fashion week with a brand or how did, how does that all work?
1: So not necessarily, like I didn't go with a brand of any sort specifically. I was invited to a few shows to be dressed by the, by certain brands, like of the shows I was attending. But other than that, I went to a few fashion weeks in Europe. I went to London and I went to Milan as well, but I actually, it kind of worked out. I I did a little trip through and I had a wedding to go to while I was in Italy at the same time of fashion week. So it was like a vacation slash business trip slash, you know, just kind of for fun as well. I haven't been to Europe in over five years since before COVID and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to make it worth my while and do work there. And, and so it kind of, I mean, the opportunities alone are a hundred percent worth it. Like the amount of people I've been able to connect with and network with while I was there is, yeah, it's amazing.
0: Oh, I bet. So you talk a lot in your videos about maximalist fashion and sustainable fashion. Can you tell me more mm-hmm. about what that means to you?
1: Yeah. So maximalist fashion is I would say that my style is very maximalist. It doesn't mean that some days I'm not a little less layered up or I wear less color or whatever. Sometimes people get so stuck in like, this is what it means. And it's only these things like I truly just wake up and kind of style things and wear what I want to wear that day. But I think for the most part, I love having like a more is more kind of mindset when it comes to styling things. I love a lot to look at. I love when I, you know, mixing prints or wearing things differently, things that like make people kind of like examine your outfit a little more. I'm hoping people look at my outfits and feel a little bit inspired. Like, oh, I could wear my skirt as a top as well tomorrow. I'm going to try that. Like that's the takeaway that I would love people to kind of get from my, from my outfits. And then in in terms of sustainability, I really apply that to the way that I consume I shop secondhand. I don't shop fast fashion. I love supporting, like I said, small businesses because a lot of them are well, the ones that I love to support are usually like close friends that make unique one of one pieces that are all ethically sustainably made. And and that's where I like to put my money. I think that sometimes people are deterred from purchasing from like smaller businesses because they are a little bit more expensive. And it's 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 crazy how the fast fashion industry has just made us believe that things should be, like should cost just like $5. And it's like that should not cost that much because that's like people making it are not even being paid like close to that. I try to kind of look at my personal style and the way that I dress in my, you know, in the maximalist style, I try to like apply as much sustainable practices as I can into that. And I think that anyone should in any way that they dress as well. But I think that a lot of the time when people think sustainability, they think it's very bland and colorless and boring. And I think that it doesn't have to be like that. So that's what I like to show on my page, that there's a, a way to do both and balance it out and still make it sustainable. I
0: absolutely love that. So what? where are you source most of your clothes? Are you going to thrift shops? Are you purchasing online? Where, where do you find most of your fashion?
1: I do a lot of both. I think now, I would say a lot more online than in store. I think the in store, things have changed again, again, with just like the rise of secondhand fashion in general, people all all want to shop secondhand vintage. So it's become a lot. It's become a bigger demand for it. And I think that that sometimes raises the prices of, of like in store thrift store prices. Like it, it's kind of crazy because a lot of the time they're all donations and it's supposed to be making money for charity. So there's no reason that things need to be priced so crazy. But I do think that shopping online, I do find like a little bit more of a variety for a better price. I think also shopping online secondhand is a more useful tool when you know like exactly what you're looking for. I go shop in like a thrift store when I just want to browse through and see if anything catches my eye. But when I'm like more on the hunt for specific things, which I feel like in my personal style now, I have such a large wardrobe of things that I've collected over the years that when I shop now or when I feel like I I'm looking for a specific piece. It's only for that specific piece. I don't like to overconsume and just buy a bunch of things anymore I'm kind of just at that point now where I love what I have so online secondhand shopping is better for me I think personally or anyone in that situation but I also love we have a lot of clothing markets especially through the summer a lot of like clothing swaps with friends there's a lot of Facebook groups that you can join that also let you do like clothing swaps within like your neighborhood which is a great way to just kind of like you know, I'm getting rid of like a few things that I don't I'm not gonna wear and I post them and someone else has a few cute things and we can kind of like trade. It's it they're really cute ways to kind of practice being more sustainable and without just being like, you know, you need to go thrift shopping because not everyone has access to a thrift shop in their area either. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think in recent years too, thrift shopping has definitely changed from like when I was growing up, now that we have the internet and people are looking for those higher end items to to resell them and might as well support them if they went through the work of fi- finding it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That too. That's a really good point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what would have been the drawbacks of your career in content creation? I know people are probably not always kind. I'm sure there is a steep learning curve with some of the things. What would have been the negatives on your journey?
1: Yeah, there are definitely some negatives. Number one is I mean, I think working for yourself in any capacity is always a scary thing. Especially most of my career is very social media based and social media is like, is this always going to be is TikTok always going to be around like, blah, blah, blah. And so that's those are things I've thought thought about and things that I still do think about. And it doesn't mean I always want to be just, you know, on social media, just on TikTok. And that's all I'm going to do. But they are things that, you know, working for yourself, you're kind of like, all right, is this going to be sustainable for years to come? And I guess, yeah, a lot of other like little drawbacks or drawbacks, even more emotional drawbacks would be like, yes, I deal with a lot of negative, hurtful comments online on a daily basis. And that's just from me dressing differently than I guess like an average person, which sounds so sad because truly what I try and and preach all over my social media is that, you know, everyone is different and that, you know, if I don't know how it bothers people, but it does. And so I do get uh, quite a few negative comments still. But I've kind of gotten to a point in my own confidence in my own like self love journey where those comments and even though I do still see them, there's no way to kind of like stop that. I've accepted that. And, and I I know that that's like a reflection of, of them and not on me. And and I've come to the point where I do love the way that I dress and the way that I like express myself. And I think that it's as authentic I am to myself as I've ever been in my entire life. So when you feel that way, things like negative comments or mean comments or people that are trying to tear you down, it really, it, it goes so like unnoticed in a sense. And I don't feel affected, but at the same time, you still, you still get it. I think it's just important to always like remind yourself that, you know, like you're doing a good job. I think a lot of the time, like me personally, I get, I get down on myself if like, it's a slower time or I'm not getting as many opportunities come in. I'm like, oh no, I'm not doing something right. It's my, it's my fault, like something I'm doing wrong. And I think it's, it's, it's a career path that is very, like I said, working for yourself, It's like you have to put in the work and you also have to know when to take breaks because there's also, it's very easy to burn out. And I think like I've done that a few times as well. But I think, I think it's something else that I just kind of always remind myself is like my, my self worth or like my value, because I think that that's like something that you always kind of need to remember, especially in an industry where it's, it's competitive in a sense there, it's oversaturated with a lot of, you know, there's so many content creators, but you have to have that self worth in yourself and know that you're, you know, unique and different and you bring something fresh and new to the table that not everyone does. So yeah, it's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure behind the scenes that I feel like people don't see. But at the same time, I mean, I, I, I'm so grateful to be able to do this as a job, as a career, and and I'm yeah, I wouldn't change any of it. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely identify with that. I'm a, a business owner as well. I own an insurance and in- agency. But it's it sometimes is lonely when you're running the show and you're all on your own and the burnout thing is real. And, and what I found is really finding support in peers and, and professional groups. What have you done to learn the business, connect with other content creators, get more ideas? Are you a part of any, you know, mastermind groups or anything like that or industry
1: groups? I would say not necessarily any groups, but I do find a lot of support in people that I've connected with through social media. And these are people that I'll see a lot of them live in New York. And they're people that I connected with at kind of at the beginning of my career. And then we would always stay in touch. And then now when I go there, I always like see them at events, or we've done like panels together, things where we kind of all get to talk about similar things, because we're all doing the same thing, even though we all have our different like little kind of special niches on the internet. We're all, you know, I mean, a, a content creator that's making like content in any kind of form, I guess you're, you all have that same kind of, you know, you all work the same way. And I've also recently started, well, I've, I've recently signed with a management at the beginning of the year. And so they've also been really great with support and kind of working me through or like walking me through just like how the industry works and different questions that come up for me. Like, what do I do in this situation when I get a message from a brand that says this and they'll know exactly what to say and how to kind of like take it from there. So that's been literally like a weight lifted, like having management and someone representing you as opposed to you being all on your own as the content creator or any artist or anyone that kind of is just kind of doing their own thing, it makes a big difference to have someone that can help you there when you have those questions. Because truly like an online creative as a job is such a new, fresh thing that not a lot of people know about or how, how it works or how, how you make money doing this and stuff like that. So there's a lot of questions that even I don't know and I have. So it's great to have someone to ask and have the answers.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I've noticed with a lot of the, the creators that I follow that once they start getting more and more followers, they end up, you know, having a management company mm-hmm. and they don't really talk about it. All you can tell is like their email has changed. I can tell it goes to a management company. So what how did you know it was time to hire a management company and how did you choose what company to work with?
1: Yeah. So that was a whole other thing where I was like, again, so lost because this is all completely new to me. But that was a great example of when I would turn to my internet friends that maybe had recently signed with a management. I'm like, how did you figure it out? How did you go about it? So for me, I had a few different agencies reach out to me. I would say kind of randomly all around kind of the same time. I would say it was like about maybe two years ago. So pretty new into my, yeah, pretty new into my career. And I did a lot of my own research when these companies reached out, a lot of them would say, let's get on a call and we can talk more face to face about things. So I got on multiple calls with like multiple companies, or agencies, and I talked to all of them kind of asked the questions. And I knew you kind of need to also know what you're looking for out of it. So like, for me, when agencies started reaching out to me, I was like, you know what, maybe this is kind of like a sign that it, it is my time, like the fact that they're all kind of just like coming to me, at the same time like maybe i'm at that point now where i'm i'm being like scouted in a sense like people are like we want to have you on our roster because we know we can help make great connections with brands and help you basically is what they do right mm-hmm. so i think after kind of just like figuring out what i want out of it and then speaking to different companies i i just had a better idea of like the direction i wanted to go in but i will say i have had a previous management like i have had a management company before the one I have now. And I was with them for about a year. And then I stopped working with them and I moved to this one. And not because there was anything wrong with that one. They were just based out of the UK and I'm based out of Canada. And my agency now that I'm with is based in Canada as well. And I do think that that has helped me with connection, like, you know, having an agency that's on the other side of the world, it's a little bit hard. It's hard to even like, call when we're like six hours apart. So I think that things like that are things that I didn't even take into consideration the first time around. And I kind of learned and then was able to kind of apply to now. And I think that, yeah, now I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy with my decision with my current agency. I think we work super well together. So again, sometimes it's a trial and error and a learning process, just like going, to school, <laughs> so. yeah, right.
0: So, are there services like rather boutique style, like like you may be getting one thing from this agency, and the next creator is getting another, like with contract negotiations and bringing you deals. Is it like kind of, or is it a one size fits all? We're going to book you for this, that, and the other thing.
1: No. So basically, a lot of like management agencies will manage not just like fashion content creators, they'll have people in like the beauty industry, the food industry, they'll have probably like a few artists that are like singers, rappers, or like even just music producers, they have makeup artists, there are so many different creative fields that management companies can manage. And so basically, it's like they'll have like their own connections within different industries that can help their, their like creatives that they're managing and help bring like opportunities to them, which my management has done. As well as when I get opportunities come just through me, they help with negotiating just different things within the collaboration, like whether that be like a rate or like a timeline. They just, they're, they're the ones that kind of step in now instead of me talking to these brands myself which is something that i i think like people don't talk about either is how intimidating it is to be almost pitching yourself to brands In a sense where I'm like, I'm new to the field. I'm like, I don't know what I should be saying. Like I was just so lost for so long. And I think that having management that that understands you and your needs and where you want to, you know, where you want to go, but also like your value, because I think a lot of the time I, at least for me I definitely undervalued like my worth to brands and that's just again all part of the learning process because now I know better but I think that that's like another place where they really help is kind of just working with the brands in negotiating different parts of a collaboration so that we're both benefiting very much equally and I think that, that at the end of the day that's a successful collaboration and that's where you get brands wanting to work with you again which is.
0: Yeah, and I imagine it could be pretty predatory because if I was a new creator and like DoorDash wanted to give me five hundred dollars,
1: I'd be like, "Oh my god!"
0: But maybe yeah. it's actually worth five thousand. You know, that's
1: that's what I mean. It's hard to, as a new creator or a new content creator in the field. Like, I truly was just do. I've only been doing this for maybe like two years. I, I these are things that I've been learning that I'm just like, wow. I was definitely undervaluing myself and, and until having like that good management, did I realize like, oh my gosh, like now I know, but I definitely, yeah, before I just, you don't have any idea. It's, it's, oh yeah.
0: Are a lot of these management companies out there that help create like social media creators, are they the same companies that have been around for a million years representing Michael Jordan and other celebrities? Or is there a new school of content creation management?
1: I would say there's definitely a lot more agencies that have probably popped up in the last few years, mainly because of TikTok. Because TikTok, like TikTok creators, some of them are just so big and that's their main platform or they started on TikTok and then they move over to other social media platforms. But I feel like as a marketing tool, TikTok is where brands can really do the most, but not a lot of them realize it. And they're kind of just starting to, like I was mentioning before, like a lot of big fashion houses, like Gucci or like Prada, things like, like those brands, you can tell, like they're not on TikTok, but they're, they're probably, they probably don't even realize that they could be reaching like a whole different audience of people and making like amazing content for their brand and helping drive sales. But they're kind of just like, they're not there yet. Like they don't know that it's that. So yeah, I think that that's like a a little bit of a lost opportunity. But I think that it's where a lot of these newer agencies, I think even my agency that I'm with currently is, they're a, a group of like five amazing women. And I think they only started a few years ago. So and even then they have a lot of like TikTok creators on their team, including obviously myself. And I feel like that's a field that is, is is newer to them, but also just like newer to the whole like marketing world and in general. So
0: yeah, I find it really interesting. Where do you see the future of content creation as a career going?
1: I mean, I I don't know. I feel like again, like having TikTok as like a platform, it's like, will that always be around? I, I, I don't know. I think that I do think that like everything is has very much moved to e-commerce purchasing things everyone's shopping online um a lot of the time like stores are only online now like they don't even have as many like physical brick and mortar stores so i think like shopping wise and like for from a business perspective that's trying to sell things i guess that's great content creation i i I guess I always, again, I would assume like because brands use content creators as a marketing tool, it would always be useful. I'm not sure about TikTok. I think Instagram will be always be a thing, which I I also use as um, part of my content career as well. Like I use it. I'll usually do brand deals where it's like you post a TikTok and you post like an Instagram reel, Uh, I guess just more posting videos as on on Instagram helps your your page grow instead of just posting photos. So I think things are like always changing. It's hard to say like the direction it's going to go in. I do think that I have seen a lot of like, I'm not super familiar with all of it, but I have seen a lot of like the AI kind of things in the fashion industry and how that can kind of play into, I guess just the future of fashion and things like that in general, like less, real clothing and more just like digital online clothes I don't know I'm interested to see where that goes I, I see so many more people talking about it like every day I'm just like mm, I don't know what's so-
0: that like what's digital online clothes
1: oh so basically like I've had a few opportunities with different Companies that basically have like a marketplace where a fashion content creator or a singer can like create their own collection of clothes and people can purchase the clothes and like try like almost like try it on like their own avatar kind of thing. Like almost like, like, an, I'm clueless. Almost like a video game. Yeah yes yes like <laughs> but like 2023 yeah that's my very millennial
0: like i'm like like clueless yeah. like when when that movie came out i was like my god that would be and you just have your closet bring you your outfit
1: yes for <gasps> real yeah. that's
0: so interesting so what's what's next for you where do you see your career growing and changing in the coming years
1: oh my gosh I, and that too i'm always like ah, the future i don't know <laughs> i definitely see myself doing more than just tiktok and like again i guess just social media in general i'd love to i mean and this is just like me kind of just like thinking off the top of my head like things i want to do but haven't actually put any of this into production yet i want to maybe in the future soonish do some kind of like book thing I don't know what I want like a book my book to be but I want to do a book thing I feel like I can make something really fun for me I've always wanted to write a children's book I don't know we'll love see. that <laughs> I about I'm fashion you cute. think yeah like something that could be like that could be like a little bit of a learning book but but for kids. I really love I really have like a soft spot for the young audience that I get. Like I'll get a lot of people who will send me a photo of their 4-year-old that dressed up in an outfit that they said was like inspire a little video and they're like this outfit is for you, Sarah and they'll put on like a little tutu oh, or something. I love it's just that. that stuff like warms my heart because I I feel like that's something that I didn't have as a kid at that age. Like I didn't have really like a fashion. We really didn't have like fashion influencers or people like that, like kind of to look up to or to inspire us or anything like that. So I, it feels really special to be something like that to such a young kid when like their brains are just learning how to like, you know, I mean... For me, it's also just like, you know, to be that age and you're you're getting ready to go to school and things like that where kids can be so mean. So I hope that, you know, by watching my videos, I hope it gives them that confidence to not, you know, feel too bad about things like that.
0: So what fashion influencers do you follow? Because you're so unique. You're not like any of the rest out there. So who are you following?
1: Okay, so one fashion influencer that I feel like most people would know and that I have always been inspired by is Iris Apfel, which is she's an older, older content, well, content creator, fashion influencer, icon. She's actually like, I think 102 now, but she is and she's like very like she's doing great to me, she's someone who is so herself and so sure of herself. And so like, she almost doesn't, she never like refers to herself. Like people will always be like, Oh my gosh, Iris, like you're such a fashion inspiration. And she's like, I don't even understand like how I'm an inspiration. Like I really just wear whatever I want. And I just feel like everyone else should do the same. Like there's no reason to have to have me do it for you to kind of, feel like you can. But I mean that is what an insp- I feel like a lot of people I get the similar kind of thing where people will be like, you know, I would never wear it, but sometimes I think if I wear it then other people feel like it's okay to wear it or something like that. But I think that a lot of I watch a lot of her interviews and just the way that she carries herself and and the way that she like just speaks about about fashion as like a self-expression, a way of self-expression in general, I think is it's it's important because clothes are just clothes at the end of the day but it's how you it's how you want to express yourself that i think is what matters and what people should you know kind of care about so yeah she's someone that i love
0: i love that well i have so enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about your career path is there anything really exciting coming up that you'd like to share with our listeners
1: there I well, I do have an a little bit of an exciting. so when I mentioned I went to I did a visual merchandising program at at a college for a few years. Next month, I have I'm nominated for an exciting award for my college. It's Aww. like for a I guess like a postgraduate because I graduated about five years ago now, like, makes myself sound so old. But yeah, so five years, <laughs> five years ago. So yeah, I'm nominated to receive an award from my previous school for it just basically like excelling in your fields. Yeah, five years later. So I don't know. So crazy. I've never won a single award in my life. So
0: well, that's exciting. Well, i will be watching for that. I have to tell you my favorite video of yours that you ever did. And I don't remember if it was this past year or the year before, but your April yeah. Fool's video. When yes. you put on Lulu, I like had a heart attack. I was like, she's not wearing that. She can't wear no. that. Like, this is not her. Like, that's what I wear every day. But like, that was, I was like, she's not going to wear that. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, yes. best prank ever. I fell
1: for it. 100%. No, literally. <laughs> and it's funny. People's reactions. I get so many questions of people saying like, can you just do a video where you dress normal? I just want to see what it looks like. I just want to see what it looks like. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll put on a white t-shirt and jeans. If this like helps you.
0: I absolutely love that. No, it's so funny because like the 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 terror I felt I was like she can't yes. wear that. Like she has to wear something much more interesting. I don't yeah, like it. Yeah. But I was, yeah. I loved it. Well, awesome. Well, I am so excited to see everything else you have going on. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. It's been absolutely wonderful getting to hear about your very interesting career path and and how you've learned the business, of content creation, and we're going to keep on watching you. We'll have all of your handles and everything in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to follow you?
1: My Instagram is my whole name, Sarah Camposarconi, but it's also linked on my TikTok, which is easier because it's just Sarah Camps with a Z on there. So pretty easy. Or a Z, I guess you would say. I don't know. Z.
0: Is that... What's a Z? Is that a Canadian? We
1: say Z. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) Z. Wait, that's Canadian. So I guess Z. Yeah. At the, The last letter of the alphabet. Yeah. Oh,
0: I'm. I didn't know Canadians said the yeah. alphabet different. Is there any other letters you say different? I think it's just that one.
1: <laughs> oh it's so I get yeah. So ripped. I get called out on my Canadian accent all the time. People are like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, I get called out on my Wisconsin accent. They tell me to say yeah. bag, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate your time. Of course.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Off the Beaten Career Path podcast is a Lit Path Studios production and is produced by Jamie Gale and Katie Myers. Music is by Sasha Gray and Pond5. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a review and share it to your social media. Remember, your career path is up to you to create. Keep exploring, keep pushing boundaries, and keep blazing your own trail.